Hello everyone, it's uh, Tuesday, May 28, and on EV Brief today, we'll look at two new electric super minis launched in the last week from Opel and Skoda. Uh, we have some charging infrastructure news from home and abroad, and one of Australia's largest mining companies sees a future without thermal coal. These stories and more on EV Brief. Skoda brings us a new city car in the form of the Citygo E, and uh, if it looks like a Volkswagen Up, that's uh, because it is. The Up and the Petrol Citygo share their underpinnings, which is no bad thing because the Up is quite a handsome little car. Uh, Skoda has made quite a compelling package here, with the five-door hatch offering a 36.8 kilowatt-hour battery pack and a uh, WLTP-rated range of 265 kilometres. In terms of power and torque, this translates to 61 kilowatts and 210 newton meters, and a 0 to 100 time of 12.5 seconds. Now keep in mind this is a city car, so performance is less important than range and drivability. Uh, entering production later in 2019, uh, Australia will unfortunately miss out on what could have been uh, the cheapest EV on sale here, uh, with Skoda Australia having no plans to introduce this to our market. Now, if the Skoda isn't quite stylish enough for you, Opel has just released the Corsa e Super Mini, uh, which shares a lot of tech with the Peugeot e208. Now, the specs on the Corsa uh, seem great, with a range of 330 kilometres from a 50 kilowatt hour battery, um, about 100 kilowatts of power, and 260 newton metres of torque. This makes the Corsa e good for a 0 to 100 kilometre an hour sprint of uh, does it in about 8.1 seconds. The Corsa E features a much curvier body than the Skoda 2, with a low roofline uh, and longer wheelbase, and it offers similar dimensions to a VW Polo, with a length of around 4 metres. Uh, Opel will also bring advanced tech to the Corsa E, with optionally available features like matrix LED headlights and a uh, large 10-inch infotainment screen. Opel uh, hasn't released pricing information yet, but European orders are set to open in the next few weeks. On to EV charging news now, and if you've ever recharged your vehicle at a high-speed or ultra-rapid charger, uh, there's a good chance that it was made by Australian company Tritium. Now, Tritium has just signed a deal with Ionity, the European joint venture between Daimler, Volkswagen and BMW, to provide 120 new charge points capable of delivering 350 kilowatts of power. The sites uh, that have been chosen will be spread across Norway, Sweden, Germany, France and the UK and are capable of delivering uh, 150 kilometres of range in 5 minutes when charging at the uh, maximum 350 kilowatts. It's, it's worth noting obviously uh, that there are no vehicles that can actually take advantage of these speeds just yet as uh, battery tech is still developing. But hopefully this infrastructure is future-proofing uh, rapid charging technology and that uh, it's also providing confidence to consumers that they won't have to deal with so-called range anxiety when travelling across Europe in electric vehicles. Uh, meanwhile, Ionity celebrated uh, its 100th station opening in Norway this week and also opened its very first ultra-rapid uh, charging station in the UK. The, there are plans for a network of 40 stations eventually across the UK uh, and all of these will be uh, utilising 100% green electricity supplied by Octopus Energy. 
back home in Australia and Chargefox has announced that the uh, company has formed an agreement with Jaguar Australia to provide free unlimited charging for five years for Jaguar drivers. This will allow Jaguar drivers to utilise the ultra-rapid charging network across Australia, of which there are currently uh, three in Victoria and Queensland, uh, but there will be 22 operational by the end of the year. What uh, ChargeFox and the state motoring clubs in Australia have achieved is certainly fantastic, uh, but we're in desperate need for government policy to catch up and for some sort of plan between the federal government and state governments regarding the placement of this technology. The UK has faced an issue where the rapid uptake of EVs has created a market for fast charging, which is obviously great, but uh, without planning it has led to competing charging companies placing their infrastructure in close proximity while leaving other towns and routes uh, totally unserviced by EV charging infrastructure. BHP has delivered a future strategy briefing that will no doubt leave the pro-coal lobby sweating and jumping up and down in fury. Now obviously BHP is looking after the interests of its shareholders and its future profitability, but it is an interesting signal of the direction of the resources sector in Australia. Coal uh, basically is on the way out, and uh, that's not a controversial statement. Uh, Rio Tinto uh, has uh, divested itself uh, completely from thermal coal. And uh, BHP, while uh, generating quite a bit of revenue still from coal, it has an exposure to, uh, to coal of just 3% of the total of its assets. Now back to electric vehicles. How does this affect EVs? Well, BHP has acknowledged in this report that EVs will, quote, progressively displace the internal combustion engine as cost, range and charging constraints are overcome. This is uh, pretty obvious to uh, most people, but they also go on to predict that half of all uh, vehicle sales could likely be electric by 2030, and therefore that uh, BHP sees growth opportunities in their copper and nickel production uh, in relation to EV manufacture. Interestingly, lithium isn't part of BHP's future plans, despite being a critical component in battery manufacture. Uh, rather, BHP sees the lithium market is already well supplied and uh, that there is limited potential for its business in lithium extraction. When it comes to BHP's own fleet of mine vehicles, the company also stated that it sees its fleet becoming progressively electric from 2020 to 2023 and that it will be investing $1.2 billion to automate and upgrade its trucking fleet. Now, all of this points to a, uh, a need for government to see the bigger picture. I worry that the government uh, will see any positive progress in terms of a shift away from polluting sources of energy as the, the market's sort of taking care of things itself. But uh, like with any transition or structural change, careful planning, policy and uh, government investment is, is crucial. Tesla has introduced an 80% charge limit at its busiest supercharger stations in order to reduce waiting times, which is a particular issue in the US in some states like California. Tesla hopes the limit will get drivers on the road faster and reduce queues at peak times. And now over the weekend, a number of Tesla owners took to Twitter to complain that this feature was in effect, despite supercharging stations being deserted or despite needing the full range to complete their trip. 
Uh, Tesla actually responded to some of these concerns today by saying that customers who wish to fully charge the battery can still choose to do so through the Tesla smartphone app or via the in-car settings. And finally, we've seen the Tesla Model 3 gain type approval from the Australian government over the weekend, paving the way for the company to be in local sales. Uh, unfortunately, as I go to air, the online configurator still hasn't uh, opened up, and today is the last day to receive the free supercharger bonus kilometers. A number of uh, Tesla owners have reached out to the company, as well as Elon Musk on Twitter, but have yet to receive any response or comment about a possible launch date. I'll be sure to let you know as soon as I know more. That's episode 7 of EV Brief. Please subscribe and leave a review if you enjoyed the show. Uh, follow EV Brief on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch, email the show at theevbrief at gmail.com. My name is Jonathan. Uh, thanks for listening and have a great week.